the new channel. The new channel. Hashtag TNC now. The views, opinions, and insights expressed in the following shows are those of the hosts, producers, guests, and viewers. They do not necessarily reflect the position of the channel. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to the new channel. Our passion transforms a community channel that sees all things new. I am Jennifer Nuya, live streaming from Cavite, Philippines. You are watching Stories from the Fringe, Season 1, Episode 10. Let me know that you can hear me well by typing into the comment sex section or chat box where you, where you are joining us from today. And also, you can use the chat box to drop in your comments, ask questions, or anything that you would like to share with us. We will also be using the same chat box to drop links that you can click on or copy for later use. If this is your first time to tune in to Stories from the Fringe, Stories from the Fringe aims to uh, improve, push for more diversity, equity, inclusion, and the sense of belonging in all aspects of our lives. And we do this by pushing conversations from the fringe to the front of the conversations. We believe that we all deserve a world wherein all individual differences like race, gender, class, ability, among others, need not only seen and accepted, but also celebrated and empowered. And we can all share in this collective vision. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Chalita Esplana, again, for watching us. Also, for Teresita, also thanks to Teresita Lanas Manalo, our Ring Bautista. Also, thank you for, uh, for, for tuning in, joining us. Wenjel Selegna of Rax and T. So if you ever go to V Central V Central Mall Molina Bacoor, please make sure to drop in. They have very good um, variety or selections of tea and coffee. And also thank you, Rosemary Fiesta, for um, supporting. Though she's not able to join us during our live stream, she always watches the replays. All right. So I'd like, uh, I'd like to encourage you to um, prepare to um, be fully immersed, engaged with our guest today. So he will be live streaming from New York City, US. And uh, please make, make sure to, to turn off all distractions and prepare to take mental notes. Also weigh in if you want and be engaged with Richard Shriver. So before I call on Richard, I also would like to introduce my guest co-host. Um, he was named by Gawad Filipino Award as the most influential film producer for 2021. He started as a vlogger and now uh, has expanded his responsibilities as an independent film producer. And he did uh, acting workshops with director Beverly Verhell and did one film with the renowned actor Piola Pasquale. He will also be producing his new movie uh, next month, November, 
with a new whole cast and under a new production name. So let me welcome Harley Lee. Hi again. Good morning, Miss Jennifer. Also, good morning to all your third viewers. And of course, I'm very excited again today to, to have our guest. Yes, I am excited too. So let's call him. Thank you, Richard, for dropping in on our show. Jennifer and Harley, I'm so happy to be here. And good evening from uh, New York City. And um, terribly pleased to. Uh, be broadcasted to the wonderful island of islands rather of the Philippines. Um, one of my favorite sites for a James Bond movie back in the day. Mm. So does that mean that you have been here in the Philippines or you plan to visit the Philippines soon? I would love to, uh, to, to plan to visit the Philippines and I hope I get wealthy enough one day to perhaps buy an island for myself and just disappear from mankind. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, isn't that our our ambition? I mean, not everyone probably, but most majority of people's ambition is to become wealthy enough to buy their own island. <laughs> this is true. Although here here in New York, it's much more expensive to do that, obviously, than other parts mm -hmm. of the world. But it would be mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. So, Richard, can you please share a brief background about yourself and the work that you do? Sure. Um, I am fastly approaching my twilight years. Um, I like to characterize uh, myself as being a husband and the father of a neurodiverse child. Um, I'm a technologist by, by uh, fundamental vocation, if you will. Um, I help entrepreneurs and small business owners and, and also large corporations uh, develop their software applications um, or source them if it's uh, off the shelf or if it's a kind of custom work, then I help them bring that to fruition because I speak the, the language of both the person on the uh, customer side and the creative side, along with the technical folks uh, on the development side. Um, but what I try to do more and more is explore um, opportunities in, in technology within my advocacy work. Um, raising a, an autistic child is, uh, in, in this day and age, is obviously has a series of challenges. And, um, you know, the, the history and my story behind that is very detailed and nuanced. It has a lot of moving parts, and I won't necessarily go through that now, except to say, it has given me a grave appreciation for the struggles that other parents in a similar position very likely go through. And because of that, my wife and I created a, a community here in New York City. Uh, we have a Facebook group. We used to have um, small get togethers with families, with other families with children on the spectrum, play dates, activities, and so forth before COVID, of course, of course. And we want to get back to that because um, we feel very strongly that other families mm -hmm. can benefit from our experiences, um, especially parents just kind of feeling their way around um, what it is um, to have a, an autistic child, given that there's so many variations in how the, the symptoms and the, and the characteristics manifest child to child, what age they're diagnosed, of course, there are significant distinctions between males and females in, in the way that uh, these symptoms manifest. So it's, it's um, I'm interested in technology and innovation, really, in, in the space of autism advocacy. And that's, that's driven my current projects. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I wonder, when did you first learn about the neurodiversity of your child? Um, we kind of always knew that she was different because um, when she was a little girl, even a toddler, you know, mm -hmm. she loved this one CD that we used to play over and over again. And she would dance and spin around like a top, mm -hmm. but she never got dizzy. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like the, the, the first sign. And, you know, there, 
we kind of knew she was a little different, but then when she went into pre-K, we were a little concerned she was less verbal than other kids. But then by by a miracle, she started to, you know, talk and be conversant. Um, we actually had her test into a program called Gifted and Talented. Um, the school was basically offering that, off, encouraged every child to have their child test into that. And lo and behold, our daughter tested into it. And that was mm -hmm. our, our first kind of official confirmation that there was something special in her. Um, mm -hmm. She is brilliant and, and very smart, smarter than I am. Um, she should probably be on the program, not me. Um, but shortly thereafter, um, we were blessed that one of her, her first grade teacher actually was the first to really recognize that her behavior, because it got, it escalated as the, as she got a little bit older. So probably around six or seven is when we officially knew that she is diagnosed with Asperger's. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, my wife and I, of course, didn't really have a lot of knowledge on autism. This is almost 10 years ago. And, and um, we were pretty ignorant about it. We didn't really know. So we had to really get up to speed pretty quickly. And like most parents that really don't have a, a place to go to, and you're kind of forced, as the school did, to have us do something pretty quickly. Um, we met with a, psycho a psychologist and and then put my daughter on a prescription. All right. Yes, all right. Uh, Mr. Richard, I, I was supposed to, to ask you, when did you find out the church child is an autism? Well, it was answered already. How how were you able to cope up with that stage, knowing that you have mentioned that you, you really know about autism? Yeah, I think, as I said, it, Initially, we knew we had to do something, and so we put her on a we were put her on a drug a prescription drug called Adderall, and it's more tailored for kids that have um, ADHD, attention deficit disorder, and that's what my daughter was actually first diagnosed with. Um, so that helped arrest some of her symptoms, but it really had some horrible side effects. She lost a tremendous amount of weight. She was almost kind of drugged out and, and very com complacent in, in school. And, mm -hmm. you know, what was a watershed moment for, for us was when she graduated from elementary school, the last day of school, I would come, I came by her school to pick her up. And, you know, most of the rest of her classmates were laughing and taking pictures, talking to the teachers and the other mm -hmm. students. And my daughter was off by herself. And she yes. was crying, something that she rarely does. And I said, Katerina, you know, that that's her name. As I stooped down next to her, what's wrong? And she said, Daddy, for six years, nobody wanted to be my friend. And that was because of, you know, her autism symptoms and, you know, the, the, the impact on her ability to socialize or inability to socialize. And then the effect of the drug, which just stupefied her and really robbed her of her personality and who she was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but it was a wake up call for me as a father, knowing that, you know, I was, I did, you know, basically checked all the boxes at that point, you know, but I had to do more. I had to mm -hmm. become her advocate. And I think that is a journey that anyone who's a parent of an autistic child comes to terms with at some point that you have to parent a child. It's challenging enough to parent a neurotypical child, but parenting a neurodiverse child, that's a whole other level. Mm -hmm. And you have to be fully committed all in, and you have to be your child's advocate until mm -hmm. you can teach them to be their own. Mm -hmm. So it, that, at that point, it becomes a pretty all in exhaustive process because you wanna try everything for your child. Mm -hmm. I, um, I can see you have uh, a lot of struggles when you find, found out that your daughter has, her, you know, she was diagnosed with autism. You are in a small family, should I say that. Where did you or whom did you seek, you know, aside from your the doctor, whom did you seek for advices, comfort, you know, just 
to feel that you 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 are accepting that your child already has an OT? Yeah, that's a great question, Harley, and, and that's really one that every parent of an autistic child really needs to consider. And the problem is most parents, and we were sort of guilty of this, there's a tendency to think that your child and your situation is so unique that nobody else can really help you. That, you know, you know your child best, you know whatever your child's symptoms are, and that's really not the right approach. Mm -hmm. um, the better approach is to talk to as many people as you can, um, be open about it, because by talking about it, not only do we kind of get past our own head, but we might find other solutions. And, you know, working with an autistic child, first of all, you know, something that I, I learned in the course of time, as a parent, our first instinct is to want to fix them. Mm -hmm. And that's just so wrong because there's nothing wrong with them. An autistic child isn't disabled. They're not handicapped. They're just different. Mm -hmm. Simple, just like any other diversity group. And that's yeah, I, I love that. I love how you phrase it, Richard, when you said there's nothing to fix because they're not disabled. They have nothing wrong with them. They're just, their brain is just wired differently. Correct. So what I, uh, what left also an impression on me is earlier when you said that most, um, your child is a gifted one. Your child is, uh, should be in the program rather than you because she is talented. And yes, I'm hardly, um, from the brief, brief videos that I have watched done by her, uh, by, by, by Richard's daughter, I can see that she is very eloquent and very smart also so that's not very surprising there are some videos or even articles about people with um autism they're really talented there's this painter when he um he flew once on a helicopter overseeing i don't know if you're aware of that he he oversaw the the skyline of new york city and after alighting he drew the whole metropolis from memory wow. Wow. Yes. so and then i i think i'm not sure if i'm not sure if um you have watched the the film the queen's gambit it's still on netflix i think i'm not sure okay. if if she has autism or adhd but i'm pretty sure she is also one neurodiverse individual yeah. so some of these individuals uh there's uh, what they call savant right savant, savant, yeah. yeah savant so they are gifted in a different way. They express yeah. themselves differently from us neurotypical people. Yeah, they, they certainly do. And um, they have gifts. They, they have gifts. Um, you're right, Jennifer. Um, the best description I heard was actually from when we enrolled our daughter in a program um, locally called Brain Balance. And Brain Balance takes a a different approach instead of looking at a diagnostic kind of approach toward dealing with autism it looked at it from more of a neurological you know what what are the physical aspects um that in terms of left brain right brain functions that can be accentuated and restored through activities through proper diet um through a, a lot of uh exercises and and activities and and so we enrolled our daughter in that it was you know a complete you know wild card if you will but it produced significant results um it bettered her hand-eye coordination it helped develop her emotionally and and in other ways and you know we we took a chance on this five six years ago and then more recently, there was a Harvard Business School study that showed that the principles of what brain balance does is just as effective as a pharmaceutical or pharmacological option. Mm. So that, that kind of confirmed to us that we were relatively early adopters. But again, it, it underscores what I said earlier, that there is there is there are avenues of innovation and, and, and technology out there um, 
that can really provide alternatives uh, um, and also holistic holistic options too. We took our daughter off Adderall and put her on essential oils and it was a remarkable transformation of our daughter. Um, the side effects, of course, went away. She gained weight, but she gained back who she is. And now she's so probably more expressed than I'd like her to be. Because, <laughs> as you can imagine, she's a teenager on top of everything else. So yeah. Yeah, most teenagers don't have don't have a good evidence of having the filters of knowing yeah. say anyway. Uh, but my daughter has it in spades. But um, so, yeah, that that's that, that kind of brings her up to where we are today. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned your experience with um, your daughter six years ago when she graduated and um, she's uh, I, I, I felt I felt that it must really be heartbreaking to realize that after those years that she's been with with the teachers and the uh, other students, no one wanted to be friends with her. I would assume that she was in a mainstream school or was it a special school? She was in a public school, um, mm -hmm. but, but again, she was in a gifted and talented program, but that really focused more on academia. Mm -hmm. um, because she was so bright, particularly in math and science, you know, the so-called STEM uh, field, mm. um, you know, she did well. Mm -hmm. And I think early on when she was really young, the kids were really nice and accommodated to her, but something happens in, in a child's evolution when they get to around fourth or fifth grade, you know, they, they gain a little bit more maturity mm -hmm. and, then, and then, you know, when they see something that's different or that they don't understand, they tend to feel more repelled by that than, mm -hmm. than drawn towards it. And I think that's what happened to my, my daughter that last school year. Um, you know, up until that point, she, you know, pretty much was able to enjoy her schooling. Um, but I think that last year, a couple of the kids that she felt she befriended earlier on started to move away from her because mm. um, they just got older and I guess things changed. And, and again, because my daughter wasn't really able to social, to socialize with them. Mm. Um, that's, that's, that kind of was ultimately what happened. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say that subsequently my daughter has really taught herself how to make small talk, She's very conversant um, and she can hold her own in a conversation. And she's been blessed because she's also come, she also has four or five cousins. Um, my wife has a pretty big family and they've always embraced her and, and loved her and, and totally uh, and made her, made her feel comfortable. And, and, and really that that's, I think one of the, one of the real heartwarming aspects is to see her with her cousins. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, you just get that unconditional love and, and support, and and they they carry on. You, you wouldn't even know that my daughter is uh, has you know any kind of socialization challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, Richard, this is kind of a story, but uh, for the public knowledge, or you know, um, did she ever? find out or did she ever learn that she has you know this kind of should we say um 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 and some kind of different personality oh yeah you know, yeah we were did she ever find out she has an autism just yes. for the public yeah no we we explained it to her every step of the way um yes when she was being uh she 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 was tested twice or examined twice and we shared the results with her. Um, and of course, as she got into school, in public school, they have something called an individual, it's a, it, the acronym is IEP, which is an individual educational pro plan or program, which is tailored towards children with special needs. Mm -hmm. So our feeling was better for her to find out from us than from some stranger or somebody else that she was different. And I know there are parents out there that may be confronted by by telling their child 
that they may be on the spectrum. And I would just encourage you to always be upfront with your child. It is not a stigma. It is, there's no shame ever in, in, in being who you are, um, whether it's autistic or any other kind of special need. And that's an important message that the child has to see. If the parents are ashamed of the child, imagine the effect on the child. They, that's, that's, that can be really traumatic. So be honest, be upfront with your child. But again, tell them and reassure them there's nothing wrong with them. They're just different. Just like a black child is different than a Chinese child is different than a Mexican child is different than a Puerto Rican child. You know, we are all diverse in this in this planet. It's just another way that we're diverse, whether it's neuro, if it is uh, in the neurodiversity space. Yes, yes. I, I can say that you have, you know, you did not culture in your mind that uh, being or having an autism, autistic child is not, you know, you, you, you adjusted well. But, but can you say that, um, have you ever encountered in your life that, you know, you, you almost broke down or you, you were, you break down and you were mm -hmm. down because of these things, you know, that's yeah. the point that you, you're not accepting at all, you know, the most, you know, pro problems that you have encountered. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we're, we, one of the things that we always stressed in our family were, we're a devout family. I was raised Protestant. Um, my wife and daughter were, were all Lutheran in in, in our uh, religious observance. Uh, that's always been a really strong foundation in our family. Um, but I have to say, yeah, I remember when our daughter was maybe seven or eight, maybe even younger than that. And she would have these incredible explosive um, fits and tantrums. And, you know, I didn't know what the heck to make of it. And it, it really scared the shit out of me, pardon my English. Um, so, you know, that was, that was definitely a scary moment. Um, but, you know, the other times, you know, when, when, you know, certainly that moment that I described earlier, you know, when that realization set into me that my daughter was going to struggle making friends and knowing how important socialization is in to a to a young person um it, it certainly pained my heart and my wife's heart that you know our daughter was not accepted um subsequently in middle school she was actually bullied for for two years at her middle school um which unfortunately is very common um and you know we didn't have a lot of success really in going to the school leadership and getting them to really move off of that. And unfortunately in public school in New York, uh, even though New York city is arguably one of the most diverse places on the planet, um, public school doesn't really have a strong diversity, unity and inclusion program. They don't really teach that to the students. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is because it's just really not in their mindset. And I even offered at my daughter's school where she was being bullied, which was a school, by the way, that had a, a, a program that was specifically designed to integrate highly functional autistic children within a general ed, within a general ed classroom. Mm -hmm. So, but rather than rather than telling the students, the other students in the school to embrace and to accept and to befriend these children, um, they walked around like with a bullseye on their backs. And it was just a horrible, to me, it was just a horrible, um, a horrible experience and an indication of a lack of leadership. And Ultimately, we transferred our daughter to a school that had an anti-bullying program, and then COVID set in. But mm -hmm. anyway, I think I think the moral of the story is, um, at least here, 
yeah. you know, public schools have to do a better job, I think, of really exploring the, the diversity, <laughs> equity and inclusion. And, you know, Jennifer, by full disclosure, you and I are part of a, of, of a startup called uh, Games to Unite, where we are creating a board game called Mbutu Game with the intent to teach um, teenagers at that young age before they start formulating some of the bias and racism and and negative thoughts that maybe they start to percolate as they get older or inherit from their parents. But to have these explorations and these discovery mm -hmm. sessions with other students that are diverse so that they begin to understand their differences mm -hmm. and realize that, again, we're all different. The problem is if we don't have exposure to that, if we don't have understanding of that, appreciation of that, then we fall into a primal space where, you know, if, if we tend, and that tendency is to dislike or fear anything that's different from us. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, most of the time when we're afraid of something, um, we usually avoid it or worse, react aggressively towards it. Mm -hmm. So this is where, uh, you know, I know that we feel there has to be a lot of progress made, um, not just in America, but around the world mm -hmm. in the diversity, equity and inclusion space. And it starts mm -hmm. with young people. It starts mm -hmm. with getting them to acknowledge and appreciate the differences of the their classmates who come from a different race, creed, color, country, religion, and, and to learn to embrace and accept that. That's how you beat stereotypes and racism and hatred and bullying and all these things. So yes. that's that's the movement we're we're hoping to really uh, create in the world. Thank you for sharing your struggles, your challenges as a father having an autistic child, um, Richard, and also providing our viewers a brief background of what we do on Games to Unite. So we'll go on a short break, and then after a break, we'll discuss more about your advocacy about Games to Unite and also your NYC autism group. Thank you. Sounds great. Yes. launching your own podcast but don't know how and where to start? Let ValuePod Productions Podcast Editing and Management Services help you effortlessly launch, syndicate, and grow your podcast. Message us at facebook.com slash valuepodproductions. ValuePod Productions Podcast Editing and Management Services, humanizing personal connections through podcasting.
TNC is a live stream platform of online shows for people on the go. Please watch all of our shows as seen on the screen. Imagine having your own show, your own playlist, your own content, but we make it easier for you. The new channel aims to transform the lives of our viewers through engaging authentic and original content. Our vision is to become a global 24-7 live stream channel that showcases Filipino talent, global influencers, cultural intelligence, and ingenuity. Of course, I encourage you to continue supporting Stories from the Fringe, live streamed every Thursday, Philippine Standard Time, 10.30 a.m. You can watch us live or on replay via Facebook or YouTube. Please also follow us on IG and listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Just search hashtag TNC now. For sponsorships, please email now at thenewchannel.com or send us a direct message. Enjoy these life-changing shows because we made them just for you. Wonderful, it's 72 days before Christmas. And if you haven't, if you haven't um, made your wish list yet, I suggest that you make it now. And one of the things, uh, one of the shops that you may want to check out on IG is um, Pop Avenue PH, Private Pop Avenue PH. And also, I would like to thank Shawil. Uh, they have a flagship store on Lazada. Thank you, Shawil, for the advanced uh birthday gift and also shall i say christmas gift thank you for the velvety matte lip crayon and also the chocolate bro cake that you sent thank you so much now can we now uh call back harley and richard hello folks those were some fun those were some fun commercials uh, I, I love the energy and and <laughs> color and, and whatnot that's pretty cool stuff this is a great network i love it yes, yes. glad that you liked it yes you you know we have heard your 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 initiative or your actions about how can you be heard uh being and you know a parent of an autistic child based from my research <laughs> we have a prevalence of 0.6 to 1 percent of total population in the world of having autism. Do you think from this small population, the 90% of the 99% you know, population of, in, in this world, you will be hurt because of this small population that you have? That's a really great question, Harley. Um, and, it, and it's interesting. I know that there's been a lot of uh, talk, there, there's been a lot of talk lately about how if you certainly look back historically, like 30, 40 years ago, the, the statistics about the number of people being diagnosed with autism back then were like one in a, one in a thousand. So mm -hmm. every, time, every time there's a new study that is done, the number becomes smaller and smaller. The current number is one in 59, which was done three years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but I know, for example, here in the, in the United States, that number varies state to state. And you might say, that's kind of curious. Why would that be? But for example, I live in New York, the, neighbor, the neighboring state, New Jersey, that number is more like one in 39. And, you know, of course, one of the, the, the super challenges in autism is they don't really know what the cause is. There's a lot of speculation and there's actually some new data that's coming out that it's possible that um, the food that we eat that has an enormous array of chemicals, pesticides, GMO enhanced feed and, and seed um, is exacerbating and, ex and accelerating not just neurodiversity, but various other things such as the, the plethora of food um allergies that children now seem to have so 
there, you know, there are people that are saying that we're poisoning our children today. And one outcome of that is the increase in the reported number of cases of autism. Other people say that the diagnostic processes have gotten more sophisticated and more accurate. So therefore, there isn't really an increase in the number of, of children or adults on the spectrum. It's just that there's more opportunity and more avenues to better diagnose um, our children and adults today. So I don't know. I mean, again, I'm, I'm not really privy to, I'm no more than what you folks might be too and what I read. Um, but there's, there seems to be some legitimate uh, studies out there pointing towards an increase in the number of people on the spectrum. Um, but to answer your point, how Harlan, you know, autism in the last five years has gotten a tremendous amount of press and notice. And thankfully, in some states here in the U.S., additional funding laws have been changed to provide additional levels of service. So we're, I think we're seeing that there, there is a, a shift in a positive way um, towards acknowledging and recognizing this as, you know, something, neurodiversity as something that requires a um, significant amount of support. Um, and we're seeing a, a shift in that space, whether it's enough, I, I think that is the jury still out on that and certainly there's there seems to be a lot more need for services information and support as teenagers age out of you know some of the some of the some of the services and 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 some of the provisions that they get when they're much younger mm -hmm. um and the biggest challenge is of course um, as teens graduate from college and become young adults, whether they can really um, self-advocate enough to hold a job, to live by themselves, um, and to, you know, be able to have a mainstream um, life that they so deserve. So, you know, those are the real challenges. And again, as more and more autistic children begin to age through and cycle through, as they get older, this puts more and more pressure and desirability on these these services um, once these children kind of age out of what's available and become adults. So that's yeah. that's that's I think the most prevailing concern that we're facing today. Yes. Um, uh you know, uh, given this, during this age, we are in an uh, innovative stage. We we really appreciate those, you know, in the position that they are getting more, we are getting more support from our government. But I will ask this, you know, we have these pandemic issues. How this pandemic, or did it really affect the, the development or the progress or the regression of your, or anything? From your child being autistic, because you know we are being confined from our you know, from our home during this pandemic. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, I think it varies child to child. Um, you know, we were we followed in, uh, our our child very closely during this whole pandemic, um, but there were times where she worked entirely remotely. Um, mm. But I th I think almost in a way. Um, for her, she was able to adjust to that, perhaps even better than neuro, neurotypical children, because she's very much into repetition and routine. And for her, it was, it was an easy stretch to do remote learning. Um, she was able to show up on time, keep her camera on, do her schoolwork. Um, so in that sense, she was able to surmount some of the challenges. Conversely, though, she didn't have the socialization opportunities um, either. And I know from other of her cousins uh, who are neurotypical, that had a really, that had a big effect on them, um, especially when, for example, they couldn't go to their middle school graduation. 
it was done online and they couldn't see their friends in person um, mm -hmm. only through zoom sessions so in in many ways i think it 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 we don't know what what the impact is going to be of mm -hmm. covid and these last 18 months or up to two years we'll have on our children who have who have gone through this experience um i, I think as a general comment there's we're going to need we're going to have a lot of mental health support needed for children in general um, mm -hmm. because in many ways that socialization aspect has been deprived for 18 months or longer mm -hmm. and um you know, it's children are adaptable. They get over things, but let's not kid ourselves. They're they're affected, and you know, we all, even as adults, remember something that happened in our childhood that could be traumatic that stays with us even today. Mm -hmm. So we don't really know what what COVID, how that's going to manifest our children mm -hmm. um, until we come out of this and really begin to see where where they are. So yeah, it's it's a we don't really know Harlan what the impact is yet. That's you know that's very nice to hear that you know uh, despite that you know your your child is an autistic, it, the pandemic does not give her an issue of adjusting to the environment. But for mm -hmm. the neurotypical, they are the one who has having problems right now, <laughs> right? So you know that's a very good news for and, and also an encouragement for for a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, to to this group or to other groups. So so yeah. that's very nice for you, right, Mister Prince? Thank you. It, it's yeah. We were we were blessed that our daughter, um, you know, she's relatively well adapted and she's um, able to really, you know, move through things and and she's very resilient. Um, but I don't, I don't want to say that other autistic children weren't affected because I know they were. Mm -hmm. um, and in some cases, more severely than neurotypicals. Again, mm -hmm. it really depends on um, yeah, how functional they are. Um, and again, suffice to say that uh, COVID's, had a, a, COVID's had an extraordinary effect on, on all children. Um, but in particular, neuro, neurotypical and neurodiverse children. Um, yes, thank you to the parents. You know, the you know your child were uh, was very nourished <laughs> because of your you know your very persuasive and uh, from support of the immediate family. Yeah, it, it's important to really talk to your child um, and ask a lot of questions. Um, how do you feel? Are you happy? Um, is there anything you need? Is there anything making you sad? Um, you know, questions like that. We, yeah, questions like that. We would ask our daughter, and she would always say, "No, I'm fine." Um, but I, I know other kids; their responses were probably not that not that way. So, but mm -hmm. it is necessary to always communicate with your children in that manner, um, yes. even normally, but especially in these times of, of COVID, uh, especially teenagers, because they're less likely to be as open with their parents and more likely to kind of hold things within. Um, but you got to get them talking. Okay. Yes. Even though as a teenager um, you might regret that, but you gotta get them talking somehow. <laughs> you know, that's nice yes, to hear that. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ms. Yang, go ahead. Your daughter reminds me of my daughter. My daughter is an introvert, and uh, she mentioned to me that if she had her way, she would have wanted to just stay in the house, study until she finishes <laughs> her schooling in, uh, in our house. So I think that she is also um, able able to adapt well in the new remote learning setup. Now, we're um, close to the bottom of the hour, Richard Harley. So Richard, as a parent who uh, has a daughter who has um, autism, uh, who has experienced all the struggles, and I'm pretty sure that you're doing your best. 
but there will still be some um, you know pits and stops right so what are the three things that you would like parents with uh, children with the same condition uh, do or know yeah I think the first thing is start as an at an early age as possible um, to get your child tested um, and examined um, and again that really stems from and starts with um, not being fearful or not taking it personal. A lot of parents, I think, if their child is diagnosed with whatever um, learning disability or even physical disability, is the there's a tension, there's a tendency to take it personally, but don't. Um, you know, have the, have the courage to get your child examined. The beauty is early intervention can actually reverse or suspend a lot of the autism symptoms in a child. And here in the US, up until age five, that examination and intervention is actually free. It's part of government programs. And I would imagine that's the case uh, throughout the world. So- I'm not yeah. sure for the Philippines, Richard. <laughs> okay, well, maybe the maybe in America, Canada and so forth. So that's the first thing is, is uh, get your child examined um, early on uh, and because uh, they've come a long ways towards the effectiveness mm -hmm. of early diagnosis and intervention which can actually reverse a lot of the a lot of the trends um, and then the second thing is you know what I said a little bit about earlier is that your child is different they're not disabled mm -hmm. they're not there's nothing wrong with them resist the temptation to fix them. Um, and I have to, for full disclosure, I fell into that trap. Um, and I regret that. And there were certain things that we did um, have our daughter participate in that she didn't really have a say and a choice in the matter. And I regret that because, you know, any, any, any child should have a say and be and and have a conversation about you know what it is again as a parent you run that fine line between having to make decisions on their behalf when they're a little bit younger and less mature but as they get older um and that's probably around 12 and 13 they're smart enough at that point especially kids today jennifer i mean you know there, there's so much out there there's so much information when i was a 10 year old i didn't know nothing you know mm -hmm. My daughter, by age 10, probably knew 10 times more than I knew, only because of the information superhighway we have out there. So, and then the third thing is, you know, try everything. Um, try various different innovative techniques. Try holistic methodologies and talk to other parents. Um, you, we're not alone. I think that that's the moniker that our autism community in New York says, we are not alone. You know, when we share about our experiences and talk about them and, and exchange ideas and, and what, you know, what works, um, it gets us out of our heads and gets us into our hearts and, and opens up doorways, you know, that we don't, we just don't see as, as, as humans, we have blind spots. And the only way we can get around them is by talking to other people who may have seen things in a different way and don't have the same blind spots. So um, mm -hmm. it's probably a long-winded answer, but that's those I think would be the three things I would point to. Thank you for sharing those, Richard. And uh, after this show, after this conversation, how can our viewers stay in touch with you through social media? Um, sure. Well, um, the New York City Autism Community Group, we have a website, which I think we we posted. Um, we also have a Facebook group under that name, which is easy to find. So you're welcome uh, to join up. I post articles all the time. Um, we're going to be getting a parental support group together where we can start talking and sharing about our ideas and thoughts. Um, of course, games to unite and butugame.com, U-B-U-N-T-U, game.com is our foray into the 
e-learning and e-sports space to again introduce um, teenagers and, and, and students to diversity, unity, and inclusion. So feel free to, uh, and we're always looking for people that are interested in helping us along the way on our cause, especially interns. So if you want to volunteer for us and really, you know, learn what it's like to be involved in, in change and, and in, in, a, in a real movement, we would uh, welcome you. So. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And also, um, you, Harley, probably you would like to invite our viewers to uh, also connect with you on social media. Yeah, before that, I would like to thank our guest, Mr. Richard, of course. Uh, we had learned a lot of things. And one thing I would like to advise for our, for our televiewers that because of this uh, advancement of age and uh, technology, we should be very more careful for what we are uh, giving or what we are taking into our lives, especially the, you know, the food we eat, etc. So it's mm -hmm. a, a very individualized responsibility, especially for the parents. Again, thank you so much, Mr. Richard. And also, I would like to ask uh, all, all of the televiewers, all of our televiewers, to please watch my um, my Facebook. Uh, my, my Facebook is Harley Lee, and then um, my YouTube channel, Harlan's Entertainment Production. And of course, thank you so much to my uh, my family, my Nuvasense Skin Care Center, and then also my uh, Raul Guanzon and Nakamura Restaurant. All right. Thank you so much, Richard, for sharing your background and the work, the brilliant work that you do at Games to Unite and also NYC Autism Group. We need more support groups like yours. And... Um, Dear viewers, thank you so much for choosing to spend your time with us today. And if you love today's conversation, please let us know in the chat box or in the comment section. And so that we can provide more content that best serves your need, let us also know in the comment section. All right. So if you haven't already, if you love today's session, please encourage your friends, family members to watch Stories from the French every Thursday, 10.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Philippine Standard Time. I'll see you again next Thursday, October 21, uh, October 21st. And you have a good day, a good evening, and um, God bless you all.